0: We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Today's episode is a bonus episode. Enjoy.
1: Welcome to the Growth Fire Podcast where we engage with top business leaders who share their experiences and provide real insights that help them attract customers, retain staff, and grow their bottom line. Now, let's get started with the show. Hi there, I'm Mark Reifmann, the host of the show, where I feature inspiring business leaders from various backgrounds and industries willing to share their perspectives on healthy cultures and motivated teams. Past guests have included Scott Mordell, the former CEO of YPO. If you haven't listened to that episode, I would absolutely recommend it. It was a blast. Really, really good insights from him. Today, I am super excited. I've been a longtime fan of this brand. And Kara Golden is the founder of Hint, best known for its award-winning Hint Water, the leading unsweetened flavored water. She has received numerous accolades, including being named EY Entrepreneur of the Year in 2017 for Northern California, and one of InStyle's 2019 Badass 50. Previously, Kara was VP of Shopping Partnerships at America Online. She hosts the podcast, The Kara Golden Show, and her first book, Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters, was released October 2020 and is now a Wall Street Journal and Amazon bestseller. Kara lives in the Bay Area with her family and three Labradors. Without further ado, Kara, thank you so much and welcome. That was a great bio and thank you for sending me the book. Um, So welcome
0: to the show. Thank you. Excited to be here.
1: All right. I gave you a little bit of a forewarning. When you wake up in the morning, you're walking to your desk, you're kind of getting in in that mindset for work. What would be that walk-up song or entrance song playing in your head every morning?
0: Okay, so when it's so funny how many times I'll go on stage uh, to do speaking and without asking uh, me, the the song that continues to come on is Eye of the Tiger. (laughs) So so I think that has become sort of the song that is attached to me. So when I feel like that adrenaline rush and I've got a ton of stuff to uh, accomplished that day. I think that song automatically hits me in the, in, in the head. So, yes. uh, and gets me all jazzed up.
1: That one can, that will forever be a great song for that. That, that works very well. Totally. All right. Um, you've called yourself an accidental entrepreneur. What do you mean by that? And how do you think that impacted your path to taking hint where it is today?
0: Yeah. Well, I think, first of all, I've, I've talked to a number of people, you and I we're just briefly chatting about a forum and, and, uh, obviously lots of entrepreneurs and, and YPO for sure. Uh, but you know, I think people don't really think about it when they're deciding to start a company. Um, and I think many people are accidental entrepreneurs, right? They want to, they see an idea that no one is doing and they decide, Oh, I'm going to just go do it. But when I was setting out to write this book, it really made me think a lot about uh, the fact that I had worked for entrepreneurs uh, that were incredibly inspiring. Um, And, but I never really thought of myself as that I wasn't going to work for them in order to gain experience. That's one way to do it, but that wasn't me. But, I guess when I actually had this idea for Hint, it gave me the confidence to be able to know that I could do this, right? That I was, um, that I had been uh, prepared and trained just by watching others who were just normal, everyday people. They were accidental entrepreneurs at one time. So I think that that is, that's just something that i've that i've learned along the way. You don't have to be born an entrepreneur or always want to be an entrepreneur. You have to have an incredible idea and you have to have uh confidence and um and a strategy to be able to start, right? And um that doesn't mean that you have to have everything figured out either. Uh that more than anything you have to know that you know, every single day you have to figure out how do I make progress? How do I see around corners to make stuff happen? that um, that is a, a true sign of of an entrepreneur and and their journey.
1: Yeah, love all that. Okay, so I do want to um, we're both in YPO. That's how we got connected. young president's organization. It's been transformative for me. Um, so you kind of hinted at that. the forum. Um, were you in YPO when you joined or started Hint, or I'm assuming you started Hint and then joined YPO?
0: Correct. Yeah. I started Hint and then joined YPO. In fact, I had never heard of it uh prior to joining. And I knew a uh, few people in the Bay Area where I live who were a part of it. And uh somebody reached out to me and and um, you know, it's it's sort of the story of I think uh, you know, the the busiest people are the ones that you um, that you ultimately probably want to be a part of your forum or your group. Or and my first uh, point was like, I don't know if I have time. I mean, it sounds like it's a lot of meetings. And but what I gained from it really was, um, you know, a different set of thinking. Um, people pushing on me to uh, to actually. Uh, you know, create my own path. I think one thing that I've learned that I've actually shared with people who even aren't in y p o yet is um truly a way of thinking about things and and uh and coming up with my own ideas of how to solve my problems um, has really been something that i um am grateful for the training that I got through y p o so being able to um actually sit in a group and hear other people's challenges, but also kind of relate them back to my own challenges and how I solve them without giving them uh, the solution. Like, here's what you should do. Yeah. And sometimes when you first hear that, um, kind of that uh, talk, I guess, it it's frustrating, right? Because you're like, I just walked out of that meeting and no one actually told me what to do. Um, But there's a reason for that. And I think that there's a thinking around it that, you know, everybody is capable of figuring out what they should do. Um, But sometimes you need examples of how other people solved problems to be able to think about, well, maybe I could do it that way. And I think that that's what I'm probably most grateful for in in the YPO experience.
1: I like to always say, for, for me anyways, and you're kind of describing it, YPO is kind of like a cheat code for time. So everybody's fear is, I don't have time. I don't have time. But it's really, there is a a return of your time by investing in YPO. Because like you said, you have a challenge and you think in your head, oh, I'm the only person who's ever experienced this challenge. And you get in that forum and it's like, oh, I have went through a similar version of that. We did that five years ago. I did that last year. And you hear how they solved that problem. And all of a sudden you leave with a ton of ideas. And I'm so impressed with my forum mates and how when they come back from a problem and in 30, 60, 90 days, the progress they've made, it seemed like a really tall mountain to climb and they just crushed it. And that's so rewarding to see them do it and the little part the forum had in in helping them. But you're right. It unlocks thinking to accomplish things that maybe you didn't think you could.
0: Totally. And I think it's just the idea of, you know, oftentimes when you're sitting in your Your world of uh, you know running a either running a company as a CEO or actually creating a company um, having ideas from other leaders in other industries uh, is super super helpful because again you know most entrepreneurs uh, are they sort of lose their social life right they're they're so focused on especially if they have a family they're focused on their family and they're focused on you know, building this thing that, you know, they're so, um, they're so excited about and really, you know, under the gun to, to really try and make something of it. And I think that being able to know that you were going to come into a situation once a month and you have to dedicate that time to really thinking about, um, not just your own issues, but other people's issues and kind of relating it back to maybe challenging times that you had that were similar. Um, it really, I always found myself kind of leaving meetings, um, sort of daydreaming about like, oh, wow, I actually, that looked like a disaster point in the company, but it was actually, you know, I learned a lot and here's what happened. So, yeah, it was super, super amazing. today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. Thinking about what's for dinner, but you haven't had a minute to even think about it before now? Well, let's not make that mistake again. I have a tip for you. Factor. Stress-free, delicious, ready-to-eat meals, just perfect for spring and summer yumminess. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready-to-eat in just two minutes or less. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options. Keto, vegan, veggie, or calorie-smart? Factor has you covered. Discover more than 60 add-ons every week, too. Like breakfast and on the go lunch choices, snacks and beverages now too. Stay fueled and feel good all day long with whatever they are creating over at Factor for you. And the best part each meal is ready to eat in just two minutes or less. And who wouldn't want that? Factor is your solution for fast premium meals without the need for cooking. Get started today and fuel up for your spring and summer goals what are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash golden50 and use code golden50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code golden50 at factormeals.com slash golden50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. That's code GOLDEN50 at FactorMeals.com slash GOLDEN50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active.
1: So, your path when you started, I mean, you had gone into the, you had a pretty colored professional career with great experiences, big companies, I'm sure tons of smart people. So, you know, I started my business when I was a junior in college Um, and plenty of people telling me I shouldn't, my parents included telling me I shouldn't. And, you know, um, a professor told me your dreams aren't big enough until somebody laughs at them. And I took that very seriously, <laughs> but so you mentioned it in your book a little bit. You kind of said it in one of some of your open, opening remarks too, but you had people telling you this was a bad idea. You can't do this. That's impossible. You're going to fail. So all that haters for me, that was fuel. How did mm-hmm. you take that and harness it to, because it, it's tough when you have those people chirping, you know, it's the right shoulder, left shoulder, no, 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 yes, yes, yes. Walk me through your mentality there to do that and take the leap.
0: I totally agree. I think it was fuel. Um, I was uh I was actually talking to somebody yesterday, an athlete, a pretty well-known athlete, uh, about this as well. It, it, I think, you know, growing up, uh, I was accustomed to always uh I was a gymnast, I was also a runner, and I I had a tendency um to want to be around the people who were so much better than me like i i looked up to them i was inspired by them uh and i think that that's been a consistent thread amongst you know frankly my life right that it was you know who do i know that can actually uh either tell me how i can get better um that would be my dream that never really happened instead i would watch And I would, similar to what we were just talking about in the YPO experience, like how did you uh, get the courage to do a, you know, round off back handspring, double flip, right? Like that sort of mentality or, you know, in the case of um, softball, I was a terrible softball player. I never really got the hang of it, but I would surround myself with all these great softball players and I, you know, learned the game pretty well. But uh, but more than anything, I would like sit there and try and analyze exactly what these people were doing in order to get better. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't work more than anything. But um, But again, like taking that all along the path of my life to ultimately starting a company and even kind of even though I wasn't technically an entrepreneur and running my own company, I was sort of running my own businesses that didn't, you know, have an initial business model to work off of. I was building the businesses out, the direct-to-consumer business on America Online, for example. So when you're starting with a blanks, blank slate, right? I think that it's it's um, it's challenging, right? Because you don't really, you know, you're sort of throwing, you know, Slime up on the wall and hoping it's going to stick, but you don't really know. And you're trying to, um, you know, figure out what is the measurement, all of those things along the way. And there's plenty of people who are going to say, no, 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 that's not going to work. But I learned that uh, just by asking why people thought what they thought, that most of the time, not all of the time, but most of the time, people would throw out these like very Strong statements that it wouldn't work, but they didn't know why. And so then I started to wonder should I actually, you know, take that as gold or not? Because maybe they don't really know, but maybe they've been told a million times that it can't work and they've never tried. And so I think con- combining that kind of thinking with kind of past experience and what I've seen, unless I can actually find somebody who can tell me for sure why it can't work. Um, I, I've i just learned that I have to try for myself and figure it out for myself. And um, and it is fuel. It's definitely fuel. And so when so many entrepreneurs that I've talked to have said exactly the same thing, when you hear that a lot, but I think that I'll, I'll even take it further to say that Oftentimes, people walk away when they say, oh, you can't do that. They get frustrated. They give up, whatever. The entrepreneur who is not willing to take no for an answer, typically, is going to also follow on with questions like, oh, that's interesting. Why do you think that? Well, you just can't. And that's yeah. not really an answer. That's <clears throat> a throwaway. They've been you know, told that. Um, they are probably not an entrepreneur. Uh, and they've probably never taken the type of risks that I've taken. So,
1: yes, you know, I think there is, there's a very distinct line between people that are willing to take that risk and ones that aren't and, and the courage to to take it. And I think that's, what's so awesome. You writing this book, obviously you kind of just described a lot of the reasons you wanted to write this book. This is kind of your, um, Uh, it's kind of a, I gotcha or I did it when you didn't think I could message back to all those doubters, which I think is great. And again, that's fuel. That's things that, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs have to mentally overcome. I think athletes do too. It's, it's very relatable in all aspects of life. Um, one of our core values is we get better every day and it's a very simple mentality of, I'm just chasing point zero one compounding interest of growth. And, you know, if you let those setbacks define you, yeah, sure. Okay. We can lose. We can fail. And you can let that own you or you can say, all right, what are we going to learn from that? How are we going to get better now and move forward? And I think as we have to have a, I've got my Ted Lasso mug here, be a goldfish, you know, have that memory of a goldfish as with those failures for for the pain, but take the lessons and grow. And it, and it sounds like you did that. Is there a specific um, I read one of them, I know, but is there a specific moment that just clicked for you? And it was like, oh, I'm going to get it now. Like, I'm just like, it really pushed that fuel for you to go over. Is there like a defining moment?
0: Well, I mean, there's a few different stories along the way. One of my favorite stories um, that that I felt like, uh, you know, today I'm probably most proud of is, look, I wasn't in this industry. I came from the tech industry. I had no idea what I was doing, but I was so totally curious about why everybody in the beverage industry was telling me that things couldn't be accomplished and i kind of am, i'm grateful for growing up kind of in the tech industry because i felt like there was so much innovation that was being done in tech because they felt like they started from a place of zero and everything is gravy right? Along the way, it just gets better and better and better. You're not like, uh, I don't know, You're, I guess you're displacing different types of technology, but it's because the technology is getting better. It's not because you have a, a different brand similar to like the beverage industry. Anyway, so when I walked into the beverage industry, I wanted to create a product that didn't have sweeteners in it. Uh, but I also wanted to create a product that didn't have preservatives in it. And so everybody in the beverage industry was telling me that it couldn't be done. At first, I wanted to sort of take that as, you know, that's, they know better because they've lived in this industry. Um, But I asked that question, you know, why? Because I didn't really understand how to actually produce this product. And most of those people um, not only told me that it couldn't be done, But also that uh, they didn't know, Mm -hmm. and that they had been, you know, at one of the big soda companies for twenty years. And I thought it was like, I mean, these were people who were not, you know, salespeople. They had been in operations, and I was like, wow, that's really interesting. They have no, I mean, they they weren't even curious why you actually had to use preservatives in the product. And again, they just. Weren't entrepreneurs; they were just doing a job, right? Um, and and so, I think coming from a different industry and also believing that and knowing that I didn't have all the answers because I really didn't know, I made it my mission to like solve the problem and and figure it out. I didn't know whether or not the answer would be that they were right. I sort of assumed they're probably right. I just am so curious about it. So I'm just going to keep asking people and eventually maybe I'll get half the answer. Maybe I won't. But the reality was, was that nobody had really either, they didn't, they had never tried it or they didn't know how to do it in a different way. And so that was something that ultimately, um, you know, I'm very proud that Hint did for the industry that we figured out how to actually create a product that was shelf stable with, without using that extra ingredient of preservative in a product by just using heat. And again, like you go back to, I mean, I don't know. I would imagine that other people had used it, it was a different piece of equipment. Um In you know the category of water, it had been used in juice, but it hadn't been used in water and yeah. so we just had to kind of play around with that and also find some willing person who owned a plant to let us play right? Yeah. That was a whole other piece of it too, that you know you kind of have to be a good salesperson as an entrepreneur too, especially when you have no experience and you have a crazy idea that you want to try because. Oftentimes, you know, they'll they'll see you walking in the door and they're like, oh, did you work at uh, Pepsi or Coke? No, nope. I worked at America Online. Oh, I didn't know America Online did beverages. They don't. Oh, well, what were you doing before? Uh, I was in college. I mean, it, it, uh, there was no reason why they should have taken a chance on uh-huh. me. And so... Long winded story, but I think that that's a really important point that you, that, you know, actually figuring out things that no one has done before um, from a processes standpoint was something that, you know, in addition to building a brand and helping lots of people with hint, I feel like that process is now used industry wide in the beverage industry. And, you know, maybe it would have been developed without us, but maybe not. I want to share a tool that has truly been helpful to me and my team. It's called Articulate 360, and it makes workplace learning that much more fun. If you're like me, you love learning new things and you want to extend that love of learning to your team. Maybe you've brought in people to do training or watch some e-learnings virtually, but nothing is more tiring than watching someone drone on and on about a topic using regular old PowerPoint presentations or other props trying to engage the audience. What is happening here? Well, no more. Articulate 360 makes it easy and efficient to create those engaging digital learning experiences you can be very proud of whip together some interactive, really beautiful e-learnings that really engage people and get the desired info across. You can create short form, micro learning, short, super interactive courses, really whatever you are looking for. Then you can even check in on the progress your team is making too. It's really interactive and informative. Plus, Articulate 360 is such a simple portal. Once you try it, I think you'll agree. That's why over 120,000 companies have already signed up. And with this special Articulate 360 offer for the Kara Golden Show listeners, it's really easy to make the decision to give Articulate 360 a try. Let's end the year right. Visit Articulate.com slash 360 to start a free trial of Articulate 360. That's Articulate.com Slash three hundred and sixty to start a free thirty day trial of Articulate three hundred and sixty now.
1: That's cool. That's something to be really proud of. I mean, that was a. Um, there's a lot of pieces of that story that are are awesome. Like you overcame a lot of obstacles, but yet kind of reinvented an industry to think differently and, and push them. I, I want to move into. So you went through kind of uh, big corporate America um, culture and core values is very different in big big big. Business America. When you started Hint, and and then I want to kind of parlay into how did YPO and your forum and and those experiences help influence this, but when you started Hint, how important was setting the culture you wanted and the core values that you believed in a part of the Hint story? And then how did YPO maybe help shape that over time?
0: So culture was always really important from the beginning. I think it's, look, the first Five people in the door, I think, kind of set the culture. I mean, the founder mm-hmm. seriously sets the culture. But then I think that the the advantage that I had had was sort of growing up in an environment that uh, you know, prior to starting hint was had been through a hockey stick. I was at America Online, and when I joined America Online, I came in through an acquisition. Which is a whole other story for people. Like I've seen that, you know, how do you integrate different companies and cultures, and you know, all of that. Um, but we went through crazy hockey stick growth uh, when when I was, you know, there, and ultimately when I left, it started to slow slightly, but it was still, you know, growing significantly. So. I had seen the different stages and um, I had sort of thought about the different stages in terms of, um, you know, revenues, but also people, right? Like, I I think that there's a little bit of both that goes on. But I think that the thing that I really, really valued when I thought about each of those things, not only from, you know, America Online but the company that they ultimately acquired that I was a part of which was a tiny little startup that had spun out of Apple that was a Steve Jobs idea. I didn't work with Steve or work at Apple but I worked with a bunch of people who had. So a lot of what I picked up on was what their journey had been and a lot of their processes cuz I think when you, when you also join a group of people who have all worked together and it kind of works you you uh acclimate to to kind of what is working there, so I had picked up on that, and then we ended up joining um you know when America Online was small, and then it went through this hockey stick. so again, you start to bring all of these things together, uh, but you also figure out what doesn't work, so you know, things like unnecessary meetings um you know i've ever since people walked in the door i you know, believed that people uh, should have the ability to opt out of meetings Mm -hmm. and that, you know, so often I saw that meetings were a huge waste of time. Um, And this was even before, you know, work-life balance conversations (laughs) were coming about. Like, I just think that, you know, the, the ability for people to, Actually, just get better at managing their time, you have to um, leave it to them, right? whether or not they should be involved in, in meetings or not. So things like that from a culture standpoint. But I also think that the, um, the tone of, of the, the mission and the purpose, I always felt like um, people were joining uh, hint because they believed in something. We had an enormous amount of people, especially in the early days. Um, and especially being in San Francisco, that joined because um, maybe they they weren't that excited about the tech industry. Maybe they didn't like the culture um, that had formed in the tech industry, or they frankly didn't really believe in what they were working for anymore or thought that there were details that they were uncomfortable with. And then suddenly they looked down at what they were drinking every single day and Excited about it, and um, and so I think that there there's this love and this passion um, that I think when people come to work for Hint, um, probably the number besides the fact that people tend to go to the restroom a lot more um, because <laughs> of the amount of water that they drink. Um, the second thing is is working for something that you really believe is helping yeah. a lot of people. Uh, it's very difficult when people leave um, to actually figure out what they're going to do next. And I've had this come up numerous times that they, you know, they sort of joke, you ruined it for me. Because when I'm looking at these opportunities, yeah, it's great money. It's a great title. It's, you know, like, should be awesome. But it's like, do I really want to be doing that? And and I think that, you know, it's it really speaks to kind of the the culture of um, of working for something that you believe is actually helping in some way.
1: Yeah. So uh, um, how how many uh, employees do you have today?
0: So at hand, there's about a little less than 200. Okay.
1: so what did you have to do as a leader? I know for us as we went from. 20 people to 50 to 7,500 to 165 we're at today. And those are different stages for the culture. And so as a leader, how did you stay engaged? And because, you know, like you mentioned, it, those first hires, it's like you're in the trenches together, you're locked arms, you know, what did you do to kind of continue the, the mission that you had, that vision that you had as you've grown to make sure that every team member really, really understands that from you?
0: yeah I think that the key thing um you know as you're growing is first of all, we were fortunate to be able to you know hire great talent and you have to for- you know you have to compensate people well, especially in the bay area i mean there's lots of competition um you know for that, but I also think that it was helpful because when people <clears throat> would come in, it wasn't just about money right, right. it wasn't just about um I just need a job. It was about i I want to be here because you've touched my life or um you know you've helped somebody that I love uh, get better, stay healthier. The stories would constantly be um, you know different but the same more than anything. so I think that leading a team of people that who is really you know comes in excited and passionate about what they're um, what they're joining I think is it is I felt very lucky and very fortunate to be able to um, you know have them in your house right and have them like super excited but I think that you have to keep them inspired you have to keep them motivated um, and not um, thinking that, oh, this is just another big company that it doesn't really really care about you know the mission and the purpose, so I found actually over time that my role um was not just internal but also very much external, and mm-hmm. figuring out what else is going on in the marketplace, and how else can we be um you know not only inspiring employees but also inspiring. And serving consumers um, that were, you know, that so that they could really speak to the brand as well. Yeah. Um, But, but I think, you know, more than anything, I think it's, it's um, when you have a mission and when you have a purpose driven brand, I think in many ways it's, it's easier, right? You have to do the details. You keep, you know, a great product. Um, You have to have, you know, all the right benefits and, You don't have to have a ping pong table or certainly not now with so many people working remotely. But I think like that, those are the things that you have to continue to, um, you know, really not only inspire, but also be authentic and sort of, you know, keep keep that authenticity um, alive and well, no matter how old the brand gets.
1: Yeah, for sure. all right. The book. Um, what does it mean to be undaunted? So that's, that's really kind of the theme of this. What, what does that mean? What what would you tell somebody if I, um, I pick up the book and you walk into the bookstore and I'm about to buy it? And I'm like, what does, what does that mean?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think being undaunted is figuring out what can be done during those most challenging you know, times. And Sometimes it doesn't happen overnight, right? Sometimes you have to stop and think and, um, and, you know, continue to get over your fears, continue to figure out a path forward. Uh, but you don't, uh, stop for long. And I think that that is the message that so many people, um, you know, really sort of get stuck on is that, uh, they feel like, there's there's no path forward. There there always is a path forward. Sometimes you just have to figure out how to, um, you know, find that path or go a different direction or uh, whatever it is. And I think that that is what great entrepreneurs do. You know, they they ask questions like, "What can we do?" They, um, you know, don't take no for an answer. Um, it, it, they. And maybe it's not as obvious that they're, you know, and they're not combative in order to, you know, not take no for an answer, but they figure out a way um, and start to ask, you know, what if we did it this way? Suggest things, try things, all of those things. That's what being undaunted is and not giving up and giving in to uh, what I think normal people, um, that's what I like to say. Prevents them from actually um, going out and doing what they're meant to do or trying new things or um, getting over hurdles, uh, all of those uh, examples.
1: So, you did all of this too. And I think this is part of being undaunted. You are married, four kids, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, so, the balancing of, I think, and I think this is a big thing in YPO too, you know work pulls us family pulls us so how did you as a mother of four I should say six because you have two two dogs correct so three uh,
0: three dogs three okay a mother
1: of seven how did you balance all of that and 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 I would say in a lot of ways be a good example for other badass women to to lead and uh and and do that
0: you know it's funny like I used to uh when I especially when I first started out, people would ask me this balance question. And one day, I think I I think I think probably was lacking sleep and I said something like, I'm not balanced, like at all. I'm really actually not balanced. Lots of stuff happens. And what I realized is that I think the key is really doing something that you truly love that you believe is going to have impact, right? That if you are doing that, you figure out a way to do lots of things, you give up things, as I mentioned before, many entrepreneurs give up um, you know their friends, their social life, right it depending if you you can only have so much on your plate, um, but I think that that's a really, really key piece of it that trying to find balance, trying to always be um, you know not stressed out, not I mean. it just just can't happen, especially if your plate is extremely loaded, right? That you're trying to do all of these things. But having said that, I think that the people that you are surrounding yourself with, um, my kids in particular, I mean, they've, you know, my youngest son, Justin, was born um, just after we got our first bottle on the shelf. And today he's a senior in high school. And He knows a lot about growing a business. In fact, I would go so far as to say he knows a lot more than many people who are starting companies because he has been really curious about, you know, different aspects. And he'll, you know, we'll go to Target and I'll be turning, you know, labels around and, you know, pulling product out of the back room. And he'd be like, mom, how come you can do that? And I'm like, Oh, you just ask for forgiveness later, right? Like it, just things like that, that I think he has picked up on. And he's also knows that if he doesn't try, uh, it won't happen, right? Yeah. And so I don't know if he's going to be an entrepreneur or not, but he definitely knows that it's not all rosy, right? That some days are super challenging. Some of the stuff that, you know, we've taken on that. Um, we don't have the right experience to do it. Um, I, I remember a couple of years ago, I was working on an initiative, another initiative in Washington around clean water. Now, to me, it made a ton of sense because I had learned a lot about water and I had learned about you know the fact that uh, there's state rights and it's not in, on a federal level. And um, there's a lot of different ingredients in our water supply that, probably should be regulated at a federal level that I see in our different plants across the country. And I had a number of people in Washington that I met with who asked if I was a lobbyist. And I'm like, no, do I have to be? They're like, oh, no, it's just usually lobbyists are in talking to us about this. I'm like, no, I just run a water company that I see a lot of different, you know, here's what the batch says from this plant in Texas versus this plant in. Michigan, right? And these are the things that, you know, you regulate in dairy and and in cattle, but you don't regulate in water. Like, why is that? And again, people wouldn't have answers immediately. And so it's the same formula. Well, why? Who would I talk to about this? And being able to have that entrepreneurial experience, I would come back. And, you know, not typically not get anything accomplished uh, in Washington, right? I'd come back very frustrated and my kids would ask me, well, so what happened? Like, tell me about your experience and like, well, what did they say? And they would be able to, you know, follow this, but they were also like, oh, why would you need to be a lobbyist? It seems like you got a lot done and you were able to put a petition together and anyway. So the point is, is I think going back to your initial question, if you're doing something that you feel like is actually your audience that you're around, they're going to learn things from mm-hmm. that you can have impact in some way, then you just go do it.
1: Awesome. Okay. Um, one of my last questions. I'm just looking at the back of your book here. I'm going to guess that you, obviously I love marketing We're a digital marketing company. I'm going to guess you're a pretty good marketer yourself. And I'm reading some of these names of people that gave you kind of little quotes from the book. You got Cheryl Sandberg, John Legend, uh, Jenny Johnson, Guy Kawasaki. I mean, you got some big hitters on here. So how did you grow that? Was that a strategy to get influential people to kind of be brand ambassadors, whether it was you know, known or not? Um, how did you get into those circles? That's, that's, that's awesome to get those, that type of feedback.
0: So I have just met many of those people through the years, I think just through networking, and um some of them are investors in our company too. But you know, it's interesting, what I realized is that they each have audiences, and I think so often it's funny I was sharing this with somebody the other day who had commented about that, who was writing. Her book. It was actually her second book. And she's like, wow, you have all these big hitters. I I viewed them as big hitters. But when you think about their audiences, I mean, even Guy Kawasaki and Cheryl Sandberg, it, they're different. They're mm-hmm. very different audiences. And I think that is... um And then, you know, Jamie Diamond. I mean, so if I could bring audiences in that were, you know, skewed by them, right? John Legend, I mean, even though he's sort of incredible in the music industry, he's also an entrepreneur in his own right, I mm-hmm. view. Right. And so I felt like there was just there was definitely that going on with it. But um but again, like I just asked them and it actually was a lot easier than <laughs> I thought. I mean it would and And I think, you know, it's funny if you don't know the, if you don't know people, that's another thing, like asking them to, to write you a blurb. I don't know, like it might work, but I think always figuring out. And again, like I didn't, I'm an accidental author and I'm an accidental entrepreneur. Like I didn't sit there and strategize, okay, one year before I'm going to ask him, I'm going to get to know Jamie. Right? Like I just knew them along the way, so when I asked, I mean it was actually so much easier. Like at first, I was, I was thinking like, "Oh, they'll never do it." But the reality is is a lot of those people don't get asked. Adam yeah. Grant gets asked a lot, um, but a lot of the other people that were, have blurbs on there, they don't get asked, so try and find audiences that, you know, might not know who you are, yeah. that you're friendly with. I think that that is, you know, a good strategy.
1: Great advice. Great advice. Okay. Anything I didn't ask you that you'd like to share or, or, or say? Uh,
0: you know, I, th- I think uh, more than anything, I, I, I love the entrepreneurial spirit, right? So I find that um, with everybody I meet, Frankly, through YPO. I mean, I I can kind of tell uh even when people don't identify themselves. I don't know if you feel the same way as, yeah. you know, being a part of YPO. Um, because it's just a um I think it's just about learning and bettering yourself and and connecting and finding um people that you're gonna grow with, right? Yes. Whether they're in your forum or or not. And I think that. Anytime you can find those types of groups, whether it's in YPO or there's other types of groups out there now too that are super great, you know, take an opportunity to go try it, right? Don't sit there and um, put up a wall around yourself to say, oh, you're too busy. You know, what am I going to get out of this? Uh, You know, and it's, and I think it's the same sort of learnings that I've gotten from starting a company. It may or may not work out. Right. But I think the idea, I always felt like if I started a beverage company and it didn't work, I would be an awesome guest at a dinner party and be (laughs) able to tell them, like they'd say, wait, you went from a great job in tech, you had you know lots great going on. And all of a sudden you just like jumped off the train and you started a beverage company. Like, why'd you do that? Maybe the short answer was, I have no idea. Like that was so dumb. But who cares? Right, Like it, it just, I learned, I would have learned even from the moment that I started researching the industry, all the things that I learned along the way in building something were just this, it was like my MBA in beverage from like... I
1: was just going to say that. It's, I think so many entrepreneurs get their MBA through that process of failure after failure and then victory, small victory, fail, fail, fail. Small victory, and it's like you just keep getting back up, keep keep getting back up and, and climbing and you finally kind of make it and people are like, "I know for me we're twenty three years deep, we're like oh, it's always been this way, and it's like no <laughs> we one of my partners lived in our the basement of our first office, paying the guy a hundred bucks on the side like that's those are the types oh, really? of things that I think a lot of people don't they only see the present and the success, but you know what you had to do to make you put every letter and hint, you know, brick by brick, and, and it wasn't easy. So from another entrepreneur, I mean, watching your story, so awesome. Congratulations. It's like, I, I can't um, overstate what a huge accomplishment it is, especially in that industry, because it is, beverage is hard to get into. It's super competitive, a lot of new stuff coming. So you broke through and did it. And I think it's uh, just such a great story. So congrats on that.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate it.
1: So, where can obviously Amazon? Where else can they get your book?
0: At all bookstores, but um, but Amazon, and it's on Audible as well, uh, which was a lot of fun uh, doing doing an audio book. I highly, if anybody's thinking about uh, writing a book too, it was something that I always liked the physical book myself, and uh, but you know, audio book sales are. Uh, a big deal, um, much bigger than I thought. And, uh, and I highly recommend taking the time to actually read it on your own because that is also, um, something else that I learned along the way that it makes a huge difference that versus having somebody else read your book. Um, it, it's a, it's a, you know, game changer for sure.
1: Awesome. Is there a potential second book? Have you thought about that?
0: Um, yeah, I have uh so we'll we'll see um so you know that's we could have a whole other session on like on you know becoming an author, but that's um you know, I just believe stories more than anything are the things that really help people to learn, and again, going back to the y p o um kind of forum experience for me, it was you know that's how I would learn, and that's how i would you know, get my energy and be inspired um, by listening to how other people did things. And so when I would write things out for myself, um, this book was actually uh, about 600 pages of notes. And finally, I actually asked a friend of mine who's um, a nonfiction um, writer, Uh, I said to her, you know, how do I actually get something, take these notes and put them into a book format? And she was like, oh, you mean like write a book? And I said, no, 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 I'm way too busy. Like I couldn't possibly <laughs> like write a book. I didn't want, I didn't dream. Like there's people who dream of becoming an author too. Yeah. I think it's great, but that was not me. Um, and, but more than anything, I just wanted to tell people that, you know, I what I had experienced because I felt like when I did actually tell people about uh, not for the most part, not the successful part, but the challenging part and Mm -hmm. how I figured it out and you know, what happened when I thought like, this is really bad and I don't know how I'm getting out of here. Then all of a sudden getting back up and going in another direction or, um, or, Slowing things down, conserving capital, and then realizing that I had to wait something out. look, all of these different strategies really help other people that I had mentored or shared, friends that I had you know told the story, investors, um you know, all of these different situations. So I thought if I could take those learnings and put them out there in the world that whether I know those people or not, you know, maybe it could actually help a lot more people to become entrepreneurs yeah. and follow their dreams. And that was um, the, probably the most interesting thing about this book for me was uh, that I knew that entrepreneurs would love it. I think it's actually inspired. It came out right uh, during the pandemic. And it was like the manuscript was all turned in right before, um, I, I guess, January of 2020. So the thing that I think was really surprising to me is the number of CEOs who were kind of rethinking probably because of the pandemic, sort of mm-hmm. like what life you know, should be for them. Um, but also, I think the best CEOs kind of threw everything out the window a little bit during the pandemic to say, okay, what can we do here, right? Because the rules just didn't apply to, you know, you're homeschooling your entire team that, I mean, you're you're managing your team who is homeschooling their kids, you know, and dealing with all kinds of cuckoo-ness going on. And like, it, it was, I had been through other crises, like, you know 2000 the 2008 2009 ish yep. time but it was different right and yeah. so i think being able to have kind of an entrepreneurial mindset i had more ceos not only saying i think i'm going to go start my own thing and follow my dream but also having that entrepreneurial mindset of you know things like um you know Build the plane while you're flying it. We didn't know during the pandemic exactly how to manage something perfectly, but you had to do something. Yeah. Right. And you had probably. to lead and all of those things, I think, really applied. So to inspire people who do not call themselves entrepreneurs, I think, was probably uh, the biggest um, kind of surprise. And also parents. Um, you know, who were hearing from their kids, I'm going to go be an entrepreneur. Um, they were able to get a glimpse, especially if they had never known entrepreneurs or they thought, yeah. you know, why isn't my child going to college, right? They're, they want to go start this crazy company. And then all of a sudden they're hearing my story and they're like, I don't know, maybe it'll work out. You know, <laughs> like it's, so I love the idea that it has been able to, you know, have impact uh, more than anything.
1: That's so great. That's awesome that I mean, to feel that impact and be a part of that. So that's so that's, that's really, really awesome. I've said about the pandemic that the playbook we ran before it, it didn't work during it. And now we have to run a new playbook post pandemic and leadership's just harder today. But to your point about, you know, people shifting, there's going to be more startups out of our current kind of situation. So what a great time for this book to be out because people need it. They need that inspiration because they may have just been laid off. and. You know, but they're super talented, and they need that little nudge to go and and take the leap. So um, that's got to be a really awesome uh, feeling for you to be a part of that. So again, I think this is a great book. Go out and get it if you can. Kara, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this, and I know that uh, my audience will love it as well. Um, I'm glad we connected through YPO, and uh, hopefully, we can meet in person at an event some point in the future.
0: Definitely. Well, thank you so much.
1: All right, thanks, Kara. Thanks for listening to the growth fire podcast. We'll see you again next time and be sure to click subscribe to get future episodes.
0: Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness.